Normally, I would ask you to open up your Bibles, uh, but I want you to open up your bulletin. Some of you may have received an insert, some of you may not. If you didn't, you can pick it up on the way out. There is a one-page front and back uh, handout that says Generosity, a Giving God. We're starting a series, uh, about a two or three week series, on generosity uh, for a number of reasons. But as we go through uh, the coming weeks, you're going to be challenged to really think about giving in a different way. You're going to hear from some different people who are serving in our community, doing an amazing job giving and being generous with their time and all sorts of things. But uh, in this study, um, God has really used it in my life, uh, quite frankly, to change the way I think about God and what he has done and is doing in our lives. And this comes from a guy that's been pastoring for over a decade now. And uh, I'm not going to share how old I am. I, I do that enough. But uh, I'm older than many of you. And, and at this point, if God can change my life in just how I view God and, and how I interact with him and others, I believe he can do the same with you. But generosity is not something we talk about a lot. I want you to think as we begin to dig into this subject, what is the greatest gift anyone has ever given you? And we're, going to, we're not going to say this is wrong. In, in church, Jesus is always the right answer, right? So we're going to take away the whole Jesus thing. What is the greatest thing that anyone has ever given you? You might say, well, maybe my children or uh, fathers. You're like, maybe the necktie on Father's Day. Hopefully you've gotten something better than that. We're pretty generous in, in our society. We really are. But I want you to think about who God is maybe for the very first time, in his giving and what he has given us. We don't have time to go through all the scriptures this morning, but I want to read to you, just from beginning to end, a very rudimentary list of things that God has given both mankind as a whole and then specifically to people who honor him and love him and trust in him. This is a very rudimentary list in a sense that I just simply went through and looked up give in the English, not even the Hebrew or Greek. I didn't look up of all the other things that God has done or will do in the future. I didn't look at any other words. There's so much more that we could add to this. But just sit back if you want and listen to this list of scriptures and what God has actually given us from beginning all the way to end. Let's begin in Genesis 1.17, God has given us light. Genesis 9.3, God has given us every living thing and every plant for food. Genesis 12.7, God has given land to his people. Genesis 17.16, God has given us children, the very lives of your children, God gives. Exodus 24.17, he has given mankind the word of God. Genesis or Exodus, rather, 33, 14, God has given his presence and his rest. Leviticus 26, 4 says, God has given rain and crops and fruit to mankind. Leviticus 26, 6 says, he has given us peace in the land. Deuteronomy 24, 4 says, God gives victory and battle. Deuteronomy 28, 7, or 28, 12 says, God blesses the work of our hands. It's not just us. 1 Kings 3.12 says, God gives us wise and discerning minds. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, 
God gives strong support. 2 Chronicles 30.12 says He gives us one heart. Ezra 9.8 says He gives us security and reviving of our lives. Ezra 9.9 says He gives us protection. Psalm 37.4, He says He gives us the desires of our heart. Psalm 85.12 says He gives us what is good. Psalm 104.27, He says He gives food for all of creation, not just mankind. Isaiah 56.5 says He gives us an everlasting name. Jeremiah 3.15 says He gave His people shepherds after God's hearts. He did not leave us alone. Jeremiah 17.10 says He gives us according to our own ways and deeds. In other words, He is just. Jeremiah 24.7, He gives us a heart to actually know God Himself. Jeremiah 29.11, He says He gives us a future and a hope. Ezekiel 11.19, He promises to give us a new spirit. Daniel 9.22, He gives us insight and understanding. Zechariah 12.7, God gives us salvation. Matthew 7.11, He gives us all good things. Matthew 16.19, He says, He gives us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Mark 10.45, He gives us Jesus. Luke 1.77, He says He gives us knowledge of salvation and forgiveness of sins. Luke 4.6, God gives us authority. Luke 11.13, God gives us the Holy Spirit. Luke 12.32, God gives us the kingdom of God. Luke 18.7, God gives us justice. Luke 21.15, God gives us wisdom. John 10.28, God gives us eternal life. John 14.27, God gives us peace. John 15.16, He gives us whatever we ask. Acts 5.31, He gives us repentance. Romans 8.11, He gives us life. Romans 8.32, He gives us all things. 2 Corinthians 4.6, He gives us the knowledge of the glory of God. 2 Timothy 2.7, God gives us understanding. Revelation 2.10, He gives us the crown of life. Revelation 2.17, He gives us a new name. Revelation 21.6 says this, And He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. God is this amazing giving God. Stand back. Sit back. And just soak that in. And I've just showed you like a tiny portion of what the Scriptures say. God has given us. As you let it soak in just a little bit, the question is, is there anything that God hasn't given us? Is there anything that God hasn't given us? As we study generosity, what you're going to come to the realization is this. Just three simple points for you this morning. The first is this. We have, nev- we have neither earned or achieved anything 
in all the world on our own. Everything that we have has been given to us. Everything. God has given us all things. Now I know here in America, that might be hard for you to really process. We're kind of pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of people. Here in Eastern Oregon, we work real hard. Uh, ranchers, farmers, all of our life, uh, independent business people, teachers, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, we work hard. And there's this idea almost seemingly like we've earned it. And to some degree, that is true. But I want you to think about life like this. You have, most of you have children. I don't. Maybe some of you are single and you don't have children. But at some point, you were a child. That much I know. Imagine your father giving all the kids in the family. Maybe you have nine brothers and sisters. There's ten of you all there. And he's, he's giving you a good gift. He's giving you a little pedal car, one of those old-fashioned pedal cars. And he sets you out on a track, maybe at the high school, one of those quarter-mile tracks. He sets you out there and he's lined you all up at the starting line and he's going to have you race and he's going to see which one of you can earn the trophy for the first prize. He's made a little trophy for you and it's going to be an annual competition for all of his kids and he's lined you up and all of you are sitting there in your pedal cars except for your little sister. The littlest sister of all 10 kids, he set her in one of those Formula One go-karts with like a 20 horsepower engine on it. And the rest of the kids, including you, you're there in your pedal car. And he says, go, and all the kids take off pedaling, and your little sister is sitting there, and she does nothing. She's just kind of hanging out, looking at the clouds, looking at the butterflies fly by. And after about 15 minutes, Dad noticed the kids have made it around the first corner and the second corner, and they're down on the back stretch. And he decides to start the Formula One go-kart, and, and he, he sits your little sister right in the seat and and he tells them, just hit the gas and go. I've given you everything you need to win. She floors it, takes off, runs around the track, runs over your older brother, and makes it all the way around, and she crosses the finish line. Now the question is this, did little sister earn that victory? No. All she did was take what her father gave to her and used it according to his direction. And she won. Think about the greatest pianist you know. Think about the greatest guitar player that you know. Think about the greatest brain surgeon or scientist that you know. Did they earn what they achieved? Well, on one hand, they certainly worked hard. But if you know any of those people, they have a gift that they were given. Probably from birth that they took what they were given and they just simply used it to their greatest ability. And I can tell you, uh, school teachers, quit lying to kids in school. We can't all become a rocket scientist. That, you, know, that, you know the lie that you, talk, you, you tell kids? You can become whatever you want. Little Johnny. Well, little Johnny, not every little Johnny is the same, right? Some kids are given a gift of great intelligence and others, well, you get me, right? We're not all that bright and if and if you don't believe that just wait till you get to college because you'll be sitting in some class and you're like is he speaking greek what in the world there are certain levels that that you just bump up against if you don't have a, a great gift 
Maybe some of you have tried to play the guitar and you're, you're working as hard as you can. You're trying to learn. And then some guy just comes in and just, just tears you up. I mean, it's just like he's a natural. That's a gift. If you think maybe you have to earn something in this world all on your own, well, try doing it without sight. Try doing it without breath. Try doing it without the ability to walk. Try doing it without food. Try doing it without rain for a period of time. And watch famine come across the land and people dying of starvation. Everything that we have has been given to us by God. We may have used it, but absolutely everything that we have has been given to us by God. That's just hard to comprehend. Because I'm such a do-it-myself sort of person. I want to, one of the reasons why I'm like this is I wasn't really gifted with a lot of natural ability, so I try to work really hard. And I just want to, I'm like a bull in a china shop. I just want to go in and do stuff. I'm going to get stuff done. That's me. But God has given me everything. There's nothing that you have that has not been given to you by God. I just That is a hard concept. But once you understand that, there are a few things that flow from that. Number one, we are utterly dependent upon God for everything. We are utterly dependent upon God for everything. Absolutely dependent upon Him. And if, and if you think that you're not, Imagine that little girl, your little sister in that Formula One race car, she decides to go around the track a second time just to make her, her sisters and brothers a little upset and just kind of rub it in a little bit. And she makes it all the way around the track and all of a sudden the go-kart conks out right as she's about to run down her little brother. And they've had enough. And little sister is about to get thrashed by her, her little brothers and sisters that are remaining there that aren't being carted off to the hospital. They're tired of getting run over by their little sister. And she's like, wow, I, th I thought everything was going well. I was going to be able to, to run you over and just get on by you and, and just escape. And all of a sudden, she cries out to dad, help me, save me. Dad, they're about to beat me up. What does dad do? Does he leave her there? She deserves it, right? She was running over her little brothers and sisters, or big brothers and big sisters, rather. Now she cries out for help from the Father. You see, as we go through life with the gifts that God has given us and the talents and the ability, the very breath that we breathe in our bodies, the very light that is shown into the world, we can become arrogant. We can, we can become almost independent of God and shake our fist at God as if we don't need Him. Are you utterly dependent upon God? Or have you walked away and thought, eh, I can get through life on my own? I can tell you, the more independent you become, the darker life gets, actually. Because all of life, all of happiness, and all of joy, and all of success begins to, to fall on your shoulders. That's a lot of weight to carry around. 
But what happens, and this is kind of the second aspect of understanding that everything that we've been given by God is that very thing. We have been given everything by God. The second aspect is this. Not only are we utterly dependent upon Him, but that's what God desires. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I try not to bug God. Do you, do you kind of do that? I don't want to bug God, right? I, I figure there's billions of people on earth and they're, you know, talking to him. I'm like, yeah, I got a problem here, but I'll work it out on my own. I don't want to bug God today. I mean, I was just like, I'm going to thank God for my food because that's what we do, right? We just give thanks for the food. And then maybe at the end of the evening, you, you teach your kids to, to give thanks to God and you pray with them at night. But really, I, I don't want to bug God about the little things. It's like, He's kind of the guy that I call on if things really go south. That's just kind of how I'm wired. Uh, I, I was a manager uh, for a number of years in the pharmaceutical industry. My favorite employees are the ones that I never saw or heard from, right? Because things were going well. The, the ones that really annoyed the day, daylights out of me are the ones that were constantly on the phone. Scott, what do I do about this? What do I do about this? I need this. And they were using me like uh, I was just their play toy. It was, they were constantly bugging me. I'm like, please, figure it out on your own. And so that kind of ingrained in me just something that I was already naturally uh, kind of driven towards is I don't bug people unless I really have a problem. If I'm calling you, it's probably something fairly serious. That or you volunteered for something and I'm, I'm following up on that. Or you suggest an idea. Don't do that. You'll be in charge. But here's the cool deal. As you read the Psalms, and this will, this will change the way you read the Psalms, the psalmists are constantly saying, God, give us. God, give us. God, please, give us. The psalmists are constantly saying, God, give us, or God, provide, or, God, or they're praising God. They're being thankful because they recognize God has provided everything. And so when you pray, God actually desires that you ask for things. It's okay. Now there are some things He promises to provide, food and clothing. He's going to provide those things. But from the very beginning, God desires that we become utterly dependent upon Him because He is the great provider and it's an acknowledgement that He does provide everything. He gives us everything. So we're either asking or we're praising God. I, I had kind of an embarrassing moment this last week. Uh, for some of you, you know the history of our church. Others of you don't. Our church actually started in our house about 11 years ago, and it was just me and a, a few other people and Judy. And one of the things that I had to deal with was the reality is I had a computer and a printer, and that printer was like old and slow. So for years, we didn't have a copier. And I mean, so I was outsourcing that, and I was constantly going places to get copies. And it was kind of cool because I got to know some people and, and, and make some relationships. But the embarrassing thing is this. Uh, I was in the office the other day, and, and the, the copier that we now have is this huge machine, and it was printing out these beautiful copies. I was like, oh, I'm so thankful. And I'm hugging the copier. <laughs> and someone walked in on me, and they're looking at me like, Scott, do you need a moment? Are you all right? Here, bud? 
But I'm like, and I didn't care because if you've ever lived life where you needed a copier and you didn't have one, and I've got this big, beautiful machine here, and I'm just like, oh, I love you, copier. Thank you, copier. I just said color copies, all that you want, as often as you need them. Anytime, day or night, you're not having to drive anywhere and pay anything. I love our copier. You just try it. Try running a small business without a copier, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But as I'm living life now, I'm just utterly amazed at how ungrateful that I was towards God. I would always ask or, or be consumed with the things that God hasn't given me. I might even be jealous of the things that He's given other people. I would like to be Tiger Woods, at least as far as golf talent. I would like a lot of stuff, but I just realized that God has given everyone according to His desires, and He's given me so much. He's given me everything. And I'm learning to be far more thankful for even the smallest things. i got to ask you, is, is that how you're living? Are you thankful for everything? Or do you still view life as if you've earned it? That it was all you? And then finally, as we close here, as you notice, as I, wrote, uh, as I read off those verses, from the beginning of Scripture, where God reveals His creation account to how He created, what He created, all that He did create, He begins providing. He provides Adam and Eve the, the garden, their food. Uh, they don't even need clothing. He just provides everything. And there's this close union with them, with God and them. The, the Father, uh, is, His presence is there. But as it moves forward, as the storyline plays out in Scripture from old to new, there's a shift. A lot of what God gives, or at least as He reveals how He's giving it and who He's giving it to, it's physical stuff. He's giving them land. He's giving them wells and cities and orchards they didn't plant, cities they didn't build. He's giving them children as far as a legacy. He's providing them wives and husbands. He's giving them rain. They're, they're utterly dependent on the physical necessities of life, and, and Scriptures really highlight that. The land itself, the, the people were going to be an agrarian society where the crops were going to be of the land that God gives, and God was going to give the rain. And He's really teaching His people that God does provide and give everything. The very physical things in this world, in their sustenance, everything, they were dependent upon Him. But as we move towards the New Testament, the new covenant that we just celebrated in the Lord's Supper this morning, it moves beyond the simple physical stuff. It moves more to a spiritual, eternal perspective of what God gives us. In the Old Testament, He, he foretells a, a time where He'll give us a new heart and a new spirit. And when Jesus arrives, God gives us His Son. And as He ascends into heaven, He says, wait, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a deposit and a guarantee. And He's going to dwell within you. 
And He's going to give us all good things. And if we have a heart uh, that is focused upon Him, He's going to give us all the things that we desire of our heart. And the focus moves just from food, but to the eternal. Fruit that lasts forever. And the things that He talks about, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, none of that is stuff that we eat. It's what God is producing in our hearts. And it's this change, and it's a freedom, and it's a joy that's greater than the physical. Yet, because we talk about the New Testament so much, we sometimes forget that there's this long history, the history of the entire world where God ingrained in mankind that He is this great giver and creator of all the other stuff. So sometimes in the New Testament church, we focus on the spiritual and we forget the physical. We should do both. Because on the spiritual side of things, if we just do that, we can compartmentalize God's giving to maybe what we think about on Sunday mornings or in Bible studies. And then the rest of the week, we act as though we're not really dependent upon God's generosity in our lives. That we're earning it. That we're doing it. But the truth is, it's both. God gives us everything physical. And He gives us the spiritual as well. He gives us the very Word of God. And He gives us His Son as Lord and Savior. He gives us the crown of life. The one verse that I highlighted that I'll return to here. John 15, 16. It says, You did not choose Me. This is Jesus speaking. But I, cho I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give it to you. It's my heart's desire as disciples this very week do you ask God for everything but above all else do you ask him for fruit or change in your life that the Holy Spirit works as he takes his word and utilizes it that you should be forever changed that you become fruitful or even more fruitful than you already are in your walk with Christ that you become transformed, that you really truly reflect the glory of God in your life, in your speech, in your thoughts, in all that you do. Because God has given you everything. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you so very much. I say that each and every week, but Words can't express how much we thank you. We thank you just for the ability to be here this morning. We thank you for our children, our parents. But above all else, we thank you that we can have a relationship with you. We thank you that you have never left us, that you don't leave us, that you do have a future and a hope for us. We thank you for your grace, 
and Your love. We thank You that we are forgiven. So let us live lives, Father, to please You, to reflect Your glory. In Christ's name we pray this. Amen.